episode 59 of the Energy Edge podcast. Hey, this is Emily Neal. I'm the communications director at the Sanctuary Church in the Chicago area, and I love listening to the Energy Edge podcast. I love the practical tips that I get every week that help me live with more energy. Welcome to the Energy Edge podcast, where we believe if you desire to get the absolute most out of your work and life, then finding your Energy Edge is a must. The Energy Edge podcast will help you learn to leverage your everyday major activities into an energy advantage so you can work and live at an optimal level. So let's begin. Welcome to the Energy Edge podcast sponsored by Total Body Construction with Jeff McMahon. If you're looking for somebody to help you meet your fitness goals, check out TotalBodyConstruction.com. Well, I'm your host, Brian Paul Buckley, and again, flying solo in this episode. Now, it could get exciting. I'm in a hotel room, so hopefully I will not have any door knocks. I'm by an interstate here in Phoenix, so but it's go time, so let's just see what's going to happen here. Remember, the goal of this podcast is to help you create an energy edge by leveraging things that you do every single day. So it's the sleeping, it's the eating, it's the moving, et cetera, into an energy advantage that gives you an energy edge, hence the Energy Edge podcast. So here's a question for you. When I say the word rest, what comes to your mind? You have some reaction to that word? Possibly, oh, I wish I could have rest or must be nice or not for a while I've not had rest or uh, rest is for the lazy or rest is optional or rest is it's just simply impossible. Well, you're not alone. And that was me for most of my life. And for those of you who don't know my backstory, I was forced to learn how to rest. So to use an an analogy of a high-performance car, I was always going 100 miles an hour, never taking a pit stop. I used little to no maintenance on the car. If it needed a repair, I wanted it cheap, and I wanted it quick. Just get me back on the road, man. Now, the analogy of this high-performance car, the outside of it looked absolutely immaculate, always clean, always waxed, even the interior, always vacuumed. But if you were to open up that hood, holy shnikes, it was an absolute nightmare of what that engine looked like. Now, the RPMs were always on red for me, and the fuel was always running on, well, on fumes. And it just did not work for me. Well, actually it did. For the long term, it did. But ultimately what it did to my car, well, let's put it this way. I took a turn marked 30 and I slowed down going 70 and I crashed. And this time this car did not react. And my hard performance car was out of commission. And for quite a while, I had pushed it for just too hard for too long. When you push that engine without the oil changes, when you keep it in the RPMs high and the fuels fumes on or the fuel on low with the fumes, <clears throat> it's not a good thing, sports fans. So I was literally forced to learn how to rest. And that, ironically, that's where the exhaustion cycle of busy, I can't stop now, which moves into beat down. I can't take this and burn out. I I'm just done. I can't keep going was developed. And my recovery was the energy cycle, which was rest. Stop for now. Leveraging sleep, breaks, and downtime and refuel put back in through nutrition, through fitness, and through personal development. And then learning how to re-engage in a different way by planning, doing, and reviewing. And that really was my healing 
And to hear my full story, you can go back to episode two. And we're talking about in the way back machine for all of the ugly details. And for me, rest, well, it was kind of a bipolar word, especially for a high performer. And as a result, one of my most popular blog posts of everything that I've written was one called The Secret Shame of High-Performing Professionals, which means we don't know how to rest. And how do we handle rest as high performers who do not value rest? Well, it's usually in one or more of the following four ways. Number one is we minimize rest. We just view it as a waste of time. I don't need as much as everyone else. Whatever I can do, I will minimize it so I don't have to deal with it. Number two was to avoid it at all costs. I would fill my schedule so there wasn't even an opportunity of fitting anything in that dealt with rest. And you know what? Most people never argued with it because of the results. But in the end, obviously, it did not work out. Third was to justify rest as optional. You know what? I just, I have too much to do. I don't have time to rest. You know, I'm fine with the rest that I get right now. Or another one that I, one I used all the time was, well, you know, it's just the current season right now. Well, ironically, it was the same season all the time and it never changed. It was basically my means of operation of avoiding rest. And the last one, when I really, really pulled back the covers or in my case, opened up the hood was that I feared rest. When I finally was forced to slow down and I had to really look at what was going on in my life, it was hard. It was really, really hard. I struggled with feelings of, well, am I going to be replaced? Am I going to be passed if you're using the car analogy? Am I still going to be needed? And what I really like, what I found out about myself when I slowed down and really looked under the hood, I really went back. I actually had some counseling and talking through what were some of the reasons why I felt so driven to drive so hard for so long. And back in episode two, we dive into that a little bit, but I'm just a very driven person. And, you know, growing up in the family that I did was very high profile and then having to make a name for myself and just a feeling of, I have to do this on my own really put me and I'm kind of in a high performance status, but it also is what wrecked me on the rest side. So I encourage you to check out that entire blog post of the secret shame of high performing professionals, even checking out my episode. Uh, very honest. So uh, let's change gears here. I recently was given a book recommendation from a very good friend of mine, Jonathan Milligan. And the book is called Rest, ironically titled by the author of Alex Sujung Kim Peng. His first book was called The Distraction Addiction. And in this book, Rest, Alex looks at the art and the science behind rest. And I was fascinated and just really felt like I needed to read this book. Well, one is just to learn about what I did and did not do, and then also to figure out ways that I could do rest better. And he said, many of us are interested in how to work better but few of us in how to rest better. Let me say that again. Many of us are interested in how to work better, but few of us in how to rest better. And we view rest as a physical necessity or an inconvenience. It's just one of those things where we see work and rest as, well, binaries or complete opposites, bipolar. And when we define ourselves by our work, by our dedication and willingness to go that extra mile, then it's easy to see rest as a negative to those things or even a negation of those things. If you work, if your work is yourself, and when you cease to work, then you cease to exist. Ouch. Well, but it's true. If you view yourself as your work, when you stop working, then you cease to exist. And when we think of rest as work's opposite, we take it less serious, and we often avoid it. Now, rest is not work's adversary. Rest is work's 
partner. And I struggled with that for a very long time because work was my identity. When I stopped working, I stopped existing. And it wasn't the opposite of that. So if I chose to rest, then it was a bad guy. It was the enemy. And they actually complement and complete each other. And in the long game, you cannot work well if you don't rest well. And we underestimate how much good serious rest can do for us. And we always, always underestimate just how much we can do if we were to take rest seriously. Now, this book, there was two specific quotes that really, really struck me. Let me give you both of them. Here's the first one. Rest is not something the world gives us. It's never a gift. It's never been something you do when you finished everything else. If you want to rest, you have to take it. If you have to resist the lure of busyness, make time to rest. Take it seriously and protect it from a world that is intent on stealing it. Great, great quote. Here's a second one from the book. We need to rethink the relationship between work and rest, acknowledge their intimate connection, and rediscover the role that can rest can play in helping us to be creative and more productive. We shouldn't regard rest as a mere physical necessity to be satisfied grudgingly. We should see it as an opportunity. When we stop and rest properly, we're not paying tax, paying a tax on creativity. We're actually investing in it. Then what I loved about this book, it kicked in some research, and I almost missed this goal because I was seemingly already familiar with this study. Now, you may have heard of study with Carl Anders Erickson talking about the 10,000 hours missing critical element. First time I came across this was in a book by Malcolm Gladwell called Outliers. And I loved that study and, of course, you know, looking at try that 10,000 hours and how do I become an expert in energy. But I missed something because it wasn't in that book. And ironically, I caught it in this book, Rest. So here's the study. Just get you caught up to pace here. So the study talks about the great students who didn't just practice more than they averaged. They practiced more deliberately. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that word deliberate. And they focused, structured, and offered clear goals and feedback. It requires paying attention to what you're doing and observing how you can improve. And second is you need a reason to keep at it day after day. So he looked specifically at a number of students, in this case right here, any experts, so, you know, for example, a violinist, and how did they practice different? What did they do differently that set them apart from the average person? Now, deliberate practice is an effortful activity, Alex talks about, that can be sustained only for a limited period of time each day. Practice too little, and you never become world-class. Practice too much, though, and you increase the odds of being struck down by, well, injury, draining yourself mentally, or even burning out. Now, the rhythm of their practice follows a distinctive pattern. They put in more hours per week in the practice room or playing field, but they don't do it by making each practice longer. Instead, they have more frequent, shorter sessions lasting about 80 to 90 minutes with the half an hour breaks in between. Sound familiar? Breaks, move the body, rest the mind. Add these practices up, and what do you get? About only four hours a day. Now, that blew me away. But you put the math together, and over time, 10 years, at four hours a day, by 20 hours a week, not counting weekends, and this accounts for the 10,000 hours of being an expert. Now, this study is the foundational of the study, by, as I mentioned, of Malcolm Gladwell and his argument in the book Outliers. About 10,000 hours of practice are required to become an expert or world-class in anything. And deliberate practice is an effortful activity that can only be sustained for a limited time each day. 
You got to avoid the exhaustion. Now, the top performers catch this, slept an average of an hour a day more than the average, not more per night. But what made the difference is naps and better quality sleep. They learn to use their leisure time more effectively or deliberately. Now, that blew me away. I would not think that the top performers would sleep more. But they do, they just do it in a different way, and it's during the waking hours. But why? It was deliberate rest. Now, in the book Rest, the author concludes, world-class moves beyond the 10,000 hours, but also includes this, 12,500 hours of deliberate rest and 30,000 hours of sleep. Now, these discoveries that I found were just absolutely amazing in it and show the immense value of deliberate rest. They figured out that rest is very, very important. And they figured out it very early on. Some of the most creative people that, that work usually use breaks that allow that unconscious mind to keep them plugging away and we can learn to rest better. Now, deliberate rest is the partner of deliberate practice. Let me say that again. Deliberate rest is the partner of deliberate practice. Everybody speeds through the discussion of sleep and leisure and argues about the 10,000-hour principle. I did. Malcolm Glywell did. Love the book. Don't discount it at all. But what made them very, very unique of these experts, these world-class, these high performers, was deliberate rest. They viewed weekends as a time to catch up on work and hold vacations in contempt is the average person, but not somebody who is an expert and a high performer. The most successful have been hard-charging workaholics in their youth, but then their ambitions are never flagged and they matured like me to just lean back and just work as hard as they could and devalue rest. We'll be right back for the remainder of why you should work at Deliberate Rest after the short break. Hi, this is Terry Crawley, co-author of Sleeping Your Way to the Top. And here is your sleep energy boost for today. A nightcap is not the ticket to a good night's sleep. According to the National Sleep Foundation, as many as 20% of Americans use alcohol to help them fall asleep. But while alcohol may help you fall asleep initially, it will wake you up later in the night as it metabolizes, which is going to disrupt your sleep. If you consume alcohol in the evening, it's best to do so three hours before bedtime. Most of us are just plain tired. Our pace far outruns our energy, yet we just keep going. We quickly move from busy to beat down to burnout. And sometimes we pull this off by the end of the same day, and it's only Monday. What we need is a reminder there's another way, a kickstart to get us thinking and get us going in the right direction. 5MinuteEnergyKickstart.com offers three five-minute videos on the topics of sleep, nutrition, and fitness movement where a problem is discussed and two energy kickstart challenges are offered. Why? Because we all need a kickstart from time to time. The best part about it is the only thing it'll cost you is a few minutes of your time because the video series is absolutely free. So check out 5MinuteEnergyKickstart.com today.
So let's dive into why you should work at deliberate rest. Now, there are four realities of deliberate rest. Number one is work and rest are partners. I referenced that earlier. It's an essential component of good work. Doesn't matter who, a musician, an athlete, a writer, a designer, anyone, salesperson, speaker, entrepreneur, whatever, they need to value rest and alternate daily periods between intense work and concentration with long breaks. Now, we need to change our mindset here. Work and rest are not allergic to each other. They're not the enemies or the competitors. Once we see the direct correlation, and the importance of rest to work, we will see deliberate rest as a value. Now, this is a crucial mindset set that we just have got to realize is vitally important. Otherwise, it's just not going to matter. Number two, rest is active. When I used to think of rest, I thought of it as a passive activity, you know, a nap, lying on the couch, watching sports on TV or binge watching a popular TV series. Now, that's one form of rest. But physical activity is more restful than we expect, and mental rest is more active than we actually even realize. So, for example, intense exercise helps keep the body operating at a peak level, and as a result, keep the mind sharp and ultimately at its best, giving energy to do your difficult work. Now, when I take a break, which is move the body and rest the mind, I'm still active. How? Well, I'm moving my body, and I'm allowing my mind to unplug and rest. And again, this is a mindset that rest is passive and lazy, and it's not. Active rest is so vitally important. So if I stop in the middle of the day, for example, and I decide that I'm going to do a half, half an hour workout, and I go back to work, I'm resting because I'm not working, but that deliberate rest that I'm doing of something that's active makes a huge difference as far as on my thought process. If I go for a walk, even just a walk, it's active because I'm moving. What that does in deliberate rest of coming back in, I'm so much clearer. I'm so much sharper and ready to go. But then number three of these is that rest is a skill. Rest turns out to be like, well, it's like sex or singing or running. Everybody knows how to do it, but with a little bit of work and understanding, you can learn to do it a lot better. I'm going to keep this PG here, guys. Deliberate rest is beyond normal sleep that's chosen and it has a purpose. It, it may seem counterintuitive that rest is something that you have to learn how to do well. I mean, what's simpler than rest? Well, what is literally more effortless? Well, the thing that it can get better. And for us, it's learning how to do well, sleep. How do I take quality first and then add quantity? How do I make the best of my night of rest? How do I learn to implement breaks and use downtime, time to be and not to be on? This is the spot right here where we learn to get better at the art of rest. But the only way we're going to do that is if we value it and we work at deliberate rest. Here's number four. Deliberate rest stimulates and sustains creativity. Now, the more we spend time to be able to do deliberate rest, we're going to learn that there is a huge correlation behind allowing us to be more creative, allowing us to be more focused for a longer period of time. Rest does not present one pattern that everyone should follow, and it needs to be in different ways. And for you, you're going to find your way that's going to allow it, but it will. It will. Trust me, you need to try it. It's going to stimulate and sustain creativity. Now, let's close up with this. Three ways to implement deliberate rest. Number one is I must value rest for what it can give to me. 
It has to be a priority. It must matter to you. Now, go back to my personal example, the way that I screwed it up was that I never valued rest and I was forced to learn how to rest. And it's hard when all of a sudden your entire body shuts down and you are just mentally gone, physically gone, and you just struggle emotionally because you've not taken the time. I didn't respect rest. And as a result, I didn't value it. I didn't see the benefits they could give to me, but you can. So it's one of the three ways that you can implement deliberate rest is that you've got to value it. Hopefully you see why it matters. Number two is I must schedule rest. Rest doesn't just happen unless you fall asleep out of exhaustion, excuse me, or you're sick and just can't keep going. Michael Hyatt's got a famous quote that says this, what gets scheduled gets done. And I promise you, this is huge about scheduling rest. I've read so many individuals, especially in this book, Rest, where Alex talks about a number of high-powered CEOs and movers and shakers where they scheduled their rest time. They literally put it on their calendar of when they're going to work out, when they're going to take their breaks, oftentimes it's walking, when they are going to even take naps, and so many of them schedule in a 30-minute nap just to lay down, be still, turn their mind off, and even fall asleep for a few minutes there to allow their body to recharge. I know it sounds crazy, but they schedule it. First, I need to value it. Number two, I need to schedule it to make sure it happens. And number three is I must experience or experiment with rest. Now, what works for me may not work for you. The time of day, the level of activities, the way I do things, or the way that you choose to do things are going to be unique and different. What's cool about a podcast like this is it gives you ideas. Reading books gives you ideas. Listening to how other people do things gives you ideas. So you've got to figure out and experiment what different types of rest work for you, different times of the day or different parts of the week, depending on your need for energy and what will give you the energy that you need. For example, I have to experiment because I'm on travel, business travel right now. So my rest schedule that is deliberate looks differently on the road depending on my schedule. Some mornings I have a very, very, very early morning. So I'm getting up at 3.30 to catch a first flight out of Chicago. Days like today, I've got a middle of the afternoon flight. So the date looks differently, but I still need to value it. I need to schedule it and I must experience experiment with rest. So let's break down the what nows. Here are two. Number one is answer the question. Are you deliberate about rest? Think about it. Are you? Are you deliberate about your rest? Or should you work on your rest? And number two, ask another question. What is one thing you can do today to work at deliberate rest? What do you need to do? Be very, very practical. Really think through how you can implement deliberate rest. Here's a preview of our next episode. I sit down and have a conversation with Joe Bauer. Now, Joe is, well, he's not the everyday Joe, and I love him not being that average Joe. And he is such an honest breath of fresh air regarding fitness, talking about movement, and anything dealing with exercise. And I love that because of how vital it is. And it plays into why you should be working at deliberate rest, because active rest is critical. Well, here's a clip. 
So first and foremost, I think nutrition is the, is the backbone of any kind of good diet or setup that you might have. And then I put in the new, the supplementation on top of that. So I just want to make that clear that That's good. A, a lot of people will think, Oh, I can supplement this thing and it's going to take care of it. Nah, I don't believe in that. I think that supplementation is that 1% that you could possibly get after everything else is in place. Thanks for making it to this point in the podcast. As always, well, we're going to try and do better next time. Go and get your energy edge on today through Delivered Rest. <laughs>